0: Before we begin, this podcast talks about mental health and well-being, so take care while listening. While we hope you enjoy listening to and learning from the podcast, the discussions we have are general in nature and do not take into account your own or your workplace specific needs and circumstances. Therefore, it's not meant to take the place of specialist advice. Welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Natters podcast. We invite you to join us on this podcast where we have two very special guests, Leanne Camilleri and Lisa Downs. Leanne and Lisa are co-hosts of the podcast Imperfect Us where they've interviewed a range of speakers on imposter syndrome or imposter thoughts. Leanne is passionate about discovering the upside to imposter syndrome to help people overcome the barriers that might hold them back from being their authentic selves. So, Lisa and Leanne, welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Natter's podcast.
1: Thank
0: you. Thanks so much, Linda. We're quite excited about this. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk with you about what we commonly know as the imposter syndrome. So I know the two of you have only met once and yet here you are, you've created this, you know, wonderful podcast. So tell me about that. How did that happen?
2: Well, we might have only met once, but we have had a lot of dealings with each other Mm. over the years. Over several years, we've been we sort of met through different courses and things like that, and I think we've always had a friendship from that. And then back in, when Mm. was it, Lisa? 2019,
1: we had the IPA conference in Melbourne. Because we'd known each other's faces from social media, that's all we knew. And then I remember walking past this lady which I recognised as Leanne and I stopped and I went, hello, are you Leanne? And she went, yes, Lisa. And that is how crazy it was that we had the same sorts of, I suppose, parallel lives at the time and we had a passion for well being and bringing out the best in others and then to see each other in person. But it would only lasted about 10 minutes tops, wasn't it, Leanne? And we've all annoyed each other ever since we started having conversations with each other. And then we started to really identify that we both had what we thought were the only people in the world who had imposter thoughts.
2: Yeah, but I was actually the only person. No, I yeah. was. And I, I had it first.
0: <laughs> Tell me then about what we know as imposter syndrome. So what is it? How would you describe it?
2: Yeah, well, I guess you know it was a term coined by two uh, psychologists, uh, Pauline Clance and uh, Suzanne Arms, back in the seventies. But although it's referred to as a syndrome, it's it's not actually a mental illness. And, and most people that experience imposter syndrome w- would not necessarily come out and say, "Hey, I feel like an imposter." But many of us, when we hear how it's described, will identify with it in some way. So people within imposter syndrome might feel like their success has been due to some mysterious fluke or a lucky break. And and in my case, (laughs) I got to university. I was doing um, the Masters of Applied Positive Psychology. When I got in, I was absolutely certain that somehow someone really intelligent had not been able to partake and so then they were filling it with people that they could get and so I was that person they could get <laughs> and then when I was among all of the wonderful people again it was like I don't belong here and every every call I got every private number that, that rang it was this will be the university ringing to say okay it's time and even even towards the end I was still waiting for that call always now from what we've learned along the way I can identify that that comes from right back when I was about 14 years of age and I left school at 14 years of age and there's a whole another story behind that but for me it shows up because that 14 year old girl shows up and says you can't do it and and and, I've done it I've done plenty of things but you forget that when you're in the middle of what what we've called an imposter storm you know that it's it's and it, it really is thoughts you know it's it's those it can be really nasty to yourself really nasty so you know being aware of of what that is I when I when I share that story with other people they say oh yeah I can identify with that um and, and that was what happened with Lisa and I was similar stories. It was the same
1: stories, um, in actual fact, probably throughout our whole lives. But I think if we draw right back again with what is the imposter syndrome, it's that we somehow believe that any of our success is, like Leanne said, a fluke. And it's got nothing to do with our effort in how we've gone around to do that. And so we just think, oh no, 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 no. Well, we play things down, which is a natural thing, especially for women. They do it very, very well. Mm. But we all have those thoughts, and I think that's the what we've learned is um, as we discovered more and more research moving beyond the imms and clants is that now they're starting to think of well, actually, there's benefits in knowing about the imposter thoughts. Take away the syndrome. It's really not a mental illness or a medical condition or a diagnosis. Mm. It's a those thoughts that make you doubt yourself in some way, but then what skills and strategies do we need to learn to shift that? But when we ultimately believe that it has nothing to do with us, then we're selling ourselves short.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point, Lisa. And um, thanks for sharing your story, Leanne. I can relate as well. I dropped out of school when I was 15, you know, started working at the local supermarket, all of those sorts of things. And and I think for me, sometimes it shows up as well as I'm going to get found out. Like yes. at some point, they're going to realise that they're, they've they overestimated their their thoughts about my capabilities or that sort of thing. So I wonder if that's kind of part of it as well.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. That overestimating is really, really relevant. And I think about when Leanne and I were chatting about where we really notice our sort of imposter thoughts, and she was explaining about her um, getting into the map. So we, the three of us have actually got our master's applied positive psych, and we've all had those similar situations. But I remember for me, it was actually writing the application to do it because that you had to say why you thought you were um, able to do the course you know what was it and I was like oh my gosh I don't know if I'm saying am I overselling myself or you know what if they find out that somehow that's not good enough or you know those typical thoughts I'm not good enough I'm old too old all those sorts of things are those thoughts that try and pull you back and they have that native lens and then don't allow you to move forward. Absolutely. And I wonder if that happens for people,
0: not only with their choices around study, but also their choices around careers and mm. the types of jobs they go for or choose not to go for. Any thoughts about that?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think, it, and I think that sort of rung true with when we uh, interviewed the wonderful Basima Tufik. It shows up in many ways. And, and uh, after that conversation that we, that we had with Basima, I was left wondering, How much have we missed out on from people who've held back from not sharing an idea or speaking up about something when those imposter thoughts have taken over? And, and, you know, when we think about the wonderful, you know, direction that we're taking these days with, you know, STEM, science, technology, Mm -hmm. engineering and maths, like, you know, all of that. We need to hear these different ways of thinking. We need to hear these other thoughts. But mm-hmm. when this plays its big game, it, it gets in the way. And, and you know, we, we talk about, you know, 14-year-old Leanne, 15-year-old Linda. It's not just there. It's very common in uh, medical uh, students, in high achievers,
1: in everyone, in yeah. leadership, in in every area, it's part of being human that we have these negative thoughts that like mm. to um, derail us all of the time. And sometimes we flick onto them and think that they're true. But there's a, what some of the other learnings we've had is sometimes just becoming more aware of those thoughts and really challenging and asking them, are they actually true? And is it actually going to help us in following our vision about, you know, like you talked about going into another career or something? You know, if you dream to do that, but, but you allow those negative voices to tell you you can't because you're not good enough or you're ugly enough. You know, like the whole lot of crazy conversations that come up. There's no way you could do that. You had your own. You left when you were 14. You've got no qualifications for it. Well, actually, is that true? And what evidence is there to you know to show that it can be? There's things to learn. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't have the qualifications, but maybe I don't need that.
2: But what if? So there is an opportunity to reframe. And it doesn't just come from education, you know, here we're using examples of education, but, you know, um, you know, when you sort of look back, there's examples of, you know, it might depend on where you fit within the family, even, you know, Mm. Um, if you're the older, the older sibling, for example, you know, maybe there's a, there's a pressure placed on us. Maybe it's maybe it's culture. There's a whole mm. lot of, it, it's complex. You can't just yeah. say it's one thing. It's yeah. very complex.
0: I like that you've framed it in terms of it's a human experience because that was one of my questions around, is it a human experience? Does it happen to us all? Or is it a gendered experience? Like does gender play into it at all? Or um, position within organisations? Or does it truly happen for everyone?
1: There is a lot of discussion about whether it's a female thing or not because initially when Pauline Clance talked about it, the group of people that she was doing her research on were high-achieving women in universities. And so there was a lot of other people who came behind that who then did very similar things. Then, but as Basimir Tufik talked about, she talked about medical fields. So that was not um, mainly doctors is where she got a lot of her research from. But as we've discovered through the conversations that we've had with people, so experts, you know, everyday people just like us who've had stories to share, it is leaders, leaders in high organisations, in education, in nursing, medical fields, shipping areas, a whole lot of different ranges. A lot of women who talk about that this is a common thing for them, However, what we've uncovered is a lot of men are now starting to say, oh, I have that too, and they're being much more vulnerable in sharing those things. But leadership is a huge thing, especially as they're getting higher and higher and higher into, you know, a leadership role. They're consistently thinking, you know, am I an imposter here? Have I got the skill to go further? But having the conversations about imposter thoughts or self-doubt or ego, whatever it might be that you like, you choose to use in that frame, it's then, well, what do we do about that? Am I ready to be stuck in there and is it going to stop me? Or is there something in there that can help me to go, do you know what, I do have a skill that I need to change. It's something I really want to do and I still want to aspire to. So how do I get moving there? Mm. And I think that's a really good point.
0: I was listening to Scott Barry Kaufman's podcast Mm. with Dan Pink, and so he was talking about regret, his research Mm. around regret. He called them regrets of boldness, but regrets of action or inaction. So we don't do something because of, you know, fears or doubts, whatever it happens to be, and then we regret that we didn't do it later, whether that's, you know, crossing the dance floor to to ask someone to dance or whether it's taking – you know that music course or doing the masters of applied positive psychology you know what what whatever it happens to be so i think what you've said is really important around then how do we move through that or be mindful of the thoughts so that we can then take positive action to achieve
2: those things that are really important to us. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that. Well, I agree with Dan Pink. I really take that on board. And I think, you know, the power of self-reflection, it enables us to sort of look back and, and see those times. I'm sure many of us can identify times where that has been the case. You know, we we were just talking about how many people this impacts at. They did do a lot of studies on women, but in actual fact, it's about 70% of all people um, experience uh, imposter syndrome and around 20 to 30% of those are, are high achievers. If we think about an opportunity that was before us and us not speaking up, not sharing our idea, not going across the dance mm-hmm. floor, whatever that might be, I guess that's when those thoughts have been so overpowering that 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 we've... Uh, I guess stayed in the comfort or, or or discomfort of those you know holding the hands of those overpowering thoughts. but but, I think you know if we think about the power of regret, I have my own little motto that I that I which I think comes from Lucille Ball, but you know it's that <laughs> <laughs> for the younguns out there. Yes. <laughs> but but I I think it was her. I think the quote comes from her around you know re- regret the things you've done, not the things you didn't do. And I think that has been a song that's sung loudly f- mm. for me in my strategy to overcome these thoughts prior to even understanding any of this that we're talking about today.
1: There are so many strategies that we've learned along the way, I have to say. And um, we, there'll be a, a thing for everybody to share at some point, a little surprise perhaps. But I was just thinking even from the very, very beginning on our very, very first podcast, Leanne, when we talked about that we are imperfectly perfect and it's okay, it's part of human life. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have these thoughts all of the time. But there's so many things we can do. And I think one of the greatest things I've learned out of this season one was the awareness and mindfulness piece. Mm. Because the more Leanne and I chatted over every every episode and even before and even the research we've been looking at, we kept coming back to when we talk about it, we've become more aware of it. Then we can actually hear and see Mm. those thoughts and really make some significant choices in how, whether we believe in them, is it serving us or not, or is it hindering us and stopping us from doing other things and missing out on those opportunities? And then we have that choice to go forward with whatever action we choose. We might decide, you know what, I do believe it today, but tomorrow, no. Um, and that's been really, really, really powerful. Mindfulness, I think, has really ch- sh- like changed and shifted a lens on well-being in so many different ways. I think we're grateful for that.
2: And I think the power of the learning has, you know, it's been a real growth period, hasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, even though you can never stop learning can you there's always plenty to learn and and you know you might think you know something and you can always be challenged in your thinking there and i think this has been a good experience of that because mm. building that awareness with the strategies from the the people that we've been talking to the mindfulness is a big piece is a very big piece of that. Just being aware of your thoughts, you know, Mm. using some of that cognitive behavioural therapy techniques. uh, um, We had uh, Susie Susie Green, we talked to Susie Green, we talked about... Um, you know, turning our ants into pets, ants being automatic negative thoughts and pets being um, positive enhancing thoughts and, and, or positive energy, positively Pe- energizing.
1: Performance
2: enhancing thoughts
1: That's that helps it. us to do better things than the negative ones might do.
2: That's right. And, and, but even that you know, you know, I teach mindfulness, and that you know, talking about putting it into that context around mm-hmm. um, automatic negative thoughts and 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 you know, changing how we see them, flipping the script, if you like, is powerful in in how we manage the challenges that we experience. So
0: you talked about that awareness, so being aware of your thoughts and having that metacognition or that mindfulness around what it is that you're thinking, then having that choice awareness. You know, you can choose to get hooked into those thoughts or Mm. you can choose uh, a different path, I guess, in terms of acknowledging them and then choosing to take action or to reframe the thoughts that, that you might be having as well. In one of your podcasts, you also talked about the inner critic versus the inner coach. Tell us a bit more about that as a strategy for people. <laughs> we,
2: could, we could talk forever about <laughs> we that. Could, we could. <laughs> when we first started talking about imposter syndrome, we gave them a name, you know, that, that little voice that sits on your shoulder that, that you know, whispers those sweet horrible nothings into our ears and, and so mine is Lucy <laughs> and and then we've, we're speaking to other people um Professor Clutterbuck and and he <sighs> talked about his is a goblin like I, I just have this vision of him as a little goblin that sits on his desk you know <laughs> talks to him and, and and we started to think about how we navigate you know out of out of this and that that inner coach was a big piece wasn't it lisa
1: yeah and i, I think it was because the that inner critic is always really good at telling you the worst of yourself and so if you believe in that then there's a rabbit hole for you that goes down into quite a yucky space but when you have an inner coach, it's a, using some of that self-compassion theory with Kristen Neff and so forth, is that what would a kind friend say to you? Is that actually true? And it helps you to make those decisions between is that negative thought actually giving us some truth or not? And in, and where is it serving us? And clearly, most of the time, it's not um and how that how we might might move forward and lean into the other side and then the advice from the inner coach is so much more rewarding that it helps you to take quicker action and much more positive action.
0: Is your inner coach's name Desi by any chance?
1: <laughs> no. I'm wondering, Lucy Lucille Ball, Desi. Oh, Desi. Oh, is where I'm going. Be, it should be Lucy. That's the um, inner coach and Desi. Well,
2: no, she has no. She has no relationship to Lucille Ball. She's Lucy, as short for Lucifer. I'm afraid. Oh, okay. She, she's quite devilish in her. Um,
1: I think you need to change that now that we know about Lucille Ball. Your fascination. Yeah. There.
2: It's a the story. I think she's become very quiet. She's always there, but I think with the strategies that we've been, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. and, and the I learning mean. that we've been having, she's got quiet. And mm-hmm. when I think about those imposter thoughts, we're really quick to believe them. You know, when when something's not going right, or we don't get the job, or we sit there trying to read someone's face, we're you know in a conversation, we're you know it's it's really busy in our ear and and we're believe believing everything that that invisible put thing on our shoulder or our desk or wherever it sits is telling us. But but really it should be the the advice that we're getting from our you know, as supporters, our mentors. You know, you know, lifting each other up, saying you actually know more than you think, or or you've got some great strategies, and and you know, but we don't see that when we're when we're caught in that, and so that's where I guess the inner coach comes in. It's like catching, it's catching it out, and and challenging what's going on,
1: and giving you another option, isn't it? It's mm. another option in your pathway moving forward, or like you said, is is there something that we need to learn? to do that I was just going to say it also what you were just saying then Leanne was it raises about Professor to fix work on that social capital that when you have a social um, community around you and you've got those trusted people that you're more likely to really reflect on what's being said you know in your mind but also the support in actually they can uncover some of those wonderful things that you can do and you do do and you're successful at in the skills you have and maybe how to amplify them. And that social support is so important.
0: So, within a workplace context, we've really spoken about the the me. So, there's things mm-hmm. you can do for yourself around, you know, becoming more mindful of your thoughts, um, choosing which thoughts you decide to act on and pay attention to. And also then when it comes to the we, that's the social support as well. And mm-hmm. not only about... Necessarily making yourself vulnerable by saying, Hey, look, you know, I'm having these thoughts, Um, but it is just reaching out
2: in a pro social way. Is that what you would suggest? If there's anything I've learned through this process, it's really important to share what you're thinking because once you share that, it reduces the power of your experience. But not everyone you share with is on your team, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So I can share with Lisa my thoughts. I'll share with her. She knows exactly what I mean. And even if I'm having a, um, a challenging moment, she'll challenge me in a way that, that, that helps me. But if mm. I was to share that with a stranger or, or someone that I'm not as close with, they might see that as a weakness that might put me out of an op- opportunity. It might mean things don't go how I would like them to. But I think at the at the we level, I think it's having that awareness and perhaps that language around supporting one another. Psychological safety in the workplace is is really supporting. important. Mm. It, it's really important. And I guess when we think about psychological safety and you know how that plays, I guess to be able to feel safe enough to share with someone doesn't have to be the whole team, but someone. Mm. I need to have that. I need to feel safe. I need to know that if I'm going to share with you, it's not going to everyone. I need to know that, you know, we're, we're in this together. You're you're my, like my support person. I, I, there's a story about Obama's women. Have you heard about it? It's mm-hmm. actually for, around diversity inclusion. Uh, apparently there, there was a lot of women on the team, you know, that sit around the big table and they'd have the meeting and the women wouldn't get a word in because of, you know, the, the bias mm-hmm. and the, the power of, you know, all of that. And so they had a strategy around if you don't get to speak today, Give me a, a sign of some sort, and then I can support you with that. So, so it's, it's having some strategies to work with one another. So, 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 say we're sitting around the table, and and we're in the workplace, and 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 I just, you know, I've got this idea, and I and I've shared that with you, Linda, and you you know that that's a, you're thinking actually that she's she's onto something there but all of a sudden there's that overpower for whatever reason and I'm starting to sort of sit back in my seat because my imposter thoughts are taking over. You're on my team. We've got that relationship, we've got that cue between us and maybe it's you saying, hey, Leanne, you had a great idea or just that signal to to speak up or, or share. Absolutely.
1: And I think um, the other thing on the we, and I know this can happen um, particularly for women in leadership as well, so that if they have those imposter thoughts that are starting to sort of overrun them at a time, if there's something that they do want to share with perhaps a line manager or their you know, direct manager or you know someone higher up again, to reframe and think about how you might share that is really, really important. We use um, a learning loop that talks about, you know, what's been going well, you know, where was I struggling, why, so you can still listen to those thoughts, work out is there something there, but then prepare yourself for that time to share. If you wanted to retrain in something because you wanted to do something, you know, at a higher level and you're wanting to explain that to your line manager, then perhaps you do the research about what it is you felt like that you might need some New qualifications or training in, and then go with that confidence. And I think, Leanne, you might want to talk to you about this you know, that that pose of confidence that when you have prepared yourself to have those conversations, that you're more likely to have it authentically. So you're not actually going on and talking about, you know, something that you feel like you just don't have the skill, but the more that the want and the desire to do that. And is there an opportunity?
2: I think when we can get overrun by those thoughts and, and, and when we're giving a talk at the table or a presentation or whatever, when we let those thoughts in, that's when we lose, I guess, lose track or become a bit, the ride becomes a bit bumpy because all of a sudden we, we're listening to the thoughts and not focusing on what we're doing. Having that strategy, you know, that the mindful the mindful strategy, taking a breath, Mentally thinking, is it true? Tuning into our inner coach. You know, we've got choices here. There's some things that we can do. Maybe it's tuning into a power pose. And you know, you know, I'm not sure if you've talked about power poses, Linda, on your podcast. But you know, the, the there's a lot to be said for a power pose in in how it mm, can opening change. your body and up,
1: standing tall, confidence, and breathing in on knowing that you know you've got this. Yeah, and we can certainly
0: put the link to Amy Cuddy's TED Talk in the show notes as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The book's amazing. I, I, I highly recommend that.
0: Yeah, me too. So you've given us a number of strategies, both from an individual perspective, as well as from a team perspective or looking at the the we and getting social support as well. And I think it's perhaps really helpful just to take comfort in the fact, too, that it is a part of shared humanity. So Mm -hmm. if we go back to, you know, Christian uh, Neff's self-compassion piece that we all or at least 70% of us, you know, experience these thoughts. So it's not something that happens only to us, which I think is kind of comforting, you know, to know that other people are in the same boat as well. So if people wanted to find out more about the imposter syndrome or more about your podcast, where would you
2: direct them to? Well, they can link with either of us on LinkedIn or, you know, social media. But we do now have a page that we've set up on LinkedIn, which which they can look for, which is in, in. perfect us and and so we're just sharing our thoughts and generating conversation we hope we've actually only launched it in the last week so
1: so we haven't even written our first real post but it will happen (laughs) (laughs)
0: congratulations
1: on that that's we'd love to see
2: you there
0: excellent so I'm wondering just in terms of leaving our listeners with a practical tip. What's been your, you know, what's the thing that has surprised or delighted you or, or been, you know, that biggest kind of help to you in terms of imposter thoughts and making wise choices?
1: Oh God, there's so many.
2: (laughs) I, I go with choice. There's a choice. We have a choice. What, what Lisa and I have become acutely aware of is that that those things that we've been talking about, you know, that mindful awareness, self-compassion, listening to our inner coach or drawing on our inner coach, drawing on a growth mindset and 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 even that power pose, we, we, we feel that's quite important. You know, we might not need all of it all at once, but we have a choice to draw on those things and then choose our response. So I, I guess knowing that we are all perfectly imperfect and and you know we've been wired that way and and, and really i guess it's our, our body's default into protecting us you know it's it's protecting us from from danger and so we've got to work out whether that really is a danger or whether it's just
1: An overprotective friend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess for me there were two, and um, I'm going to go right back from the very, very beginning when we had a chat, and I think it might have actually been in our trailer where we talked about um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, and she talks a lot about self-doubt, which imposter thoughts sort of come into those sorts of same same language really. And she talks about that imagine that you are driving your car, and you're going on a big road trip. Now you need to have that inner critic there with you to help to keep you safe. But you don't bring them in the front seat of the car. They're not allowed to touch the radio. They've got to put a seatbelt on. They're they're just in the back. And Susie Greeno laughs. She talked about it being on a bus. You know, they can come on the bus ride, but they've got to sit right at the back and shh, don't talk to the driver. The drivers the one that's controlling the car. I love that analogy, and it is right. It is true as we've gone along. It is about us stopping and thinking and are we in control of this or are the thoughts in control of us? And the thoughts are just thoughts, they're not facts. So there's that one. But the other one is, and it's one where you talked about the common humanity, and I think what stood out for me early with with um, Adam Grant's work, and he was talking a lot about um, Professor Tufik's work, and he talked about confident humility so that we need to build the confidence in our own humility to be able to say, well, actually we are flawed and it's okay and to be confident in in that. And so they were the two things um, other than mindfulness and awareness and everything else in between.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic! Thank you both so much, um, Leanne Camilleri and Lisa Downs. I could talk to you forever. It's been such an honour and a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, and we will put the link to your LinkedIn page and other resources in the show notes as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's our privilege to be working with you, and we love the work you're doing too. So thank you, Linda.
0: So we've talked about a lot on this podcast in relation to imposter thoughts, and it has been wonderful to be able to chat with both Leanne and Lisa. We have so loved connecting with you and sharing insights into imposter thoughts. In our show notes, we will have any links that may support your journey toward well-being. We want to know what you think and have been inspired by any questions you would like answered or contributions you would like to make to the podcast. So leave a review or contact us via matters at workplacewellbeingnatters.com.au if you would like to explore how we can help you on your journey or to submit a case study or comment for us to include in our podcast. We look forward to next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.